year two of the Olympics and the pandemic. From my opinion, I mean, obviously, it's, it's going to be a very sensitive um, conversation in Japan. But for, if I, I'm always weighing on the side of public safety, it would be perfectly reasonable to have uh, the games canceled. A year ago, epidemiologist Dr. Jeffrey Engel joined us for his observations about the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on the Olympics. Today, he's back with us, sharing what he and his colleagues in public health have learned in the battle against COVID-19 and what it means for the soon-approaching Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics. I'm your host, Ed Hula, on this edition of Around the Rings Radio. Dr. Jeffrey Engel is a member of the staff of the Atlanta, Georgia-based Council of State and Territorial Epidemiologists. He's now a senior advisor. Previously, he served as executive director. Since he joined us last year, some of the predictions he made about the coronavirus and Olympics have become reality, notably the ban on overseas spectators for the Tokyo Games and the possibilities of quarantine for athletes and officials who will spend their time in Tokyo in a bubble with literally no public contact. And now with the Games just over two months away, the question of whether to hold the Olympics still looms as Japan deals with states of emergency in Tokyo and other cities. Dr. Engel says the Tokyo Olympics still could be at risk, although he believes they can be held safely. What we've learned in the last year is that we have a combination of issues, but it's mainly two things. One, it's the basic biology of this virus being extremely transmissible amongst humans. And then secondly, human behavior in general and how we react to uh, control measures to decrease the virus's ability to spread from person to person. So in the beginning of the pandemic, we learned that these non-pharmaceutical interventions such as masking and social distancing and lockdowns, quarantines and testing were adequate, uh, but couldn't uh, eliminate the problem, but could definitely decrease the problem to minimal values. And now we have uh, a vaccine or many vaccines that have been approved that have shown to be uh, very efficacious, but you need to reach most of the population for the vaccines to work. But there have been several countries, including the United States, that have done a good job with that and have shown that they can, we can prevent disease, hospitalization, and deaths. So there's, there's progress that can be made in controlling the disease, but where we're about where it's out of control in places like India and Brazil. Yes, yeah, so unfortunately, we've seen the, the sort of the political economical uh, issues which control human behavior ultimately. Um, and those uh, nations that have decided to be less controlling have paid the, have paid the dear price. So um, we had leadership in Brazil, for example, that. Um, for a while was purporting that, that this, the virus was not a problem, that most of this was hyped and to please go about your normal lives. And uh, what has resulted, of course, has been an ongoing uh, 
disease transmission and pandemic in Brazil. In India, they did a good job of social distancing and control measures in the beginning of the pandemic, but then let their guard down. And what we learned is that in beginning in December and January, they opened up again, including huge social gatherings around political events. And what resulted um, is the introduction of these newer variants of the, of the SARS-CoV-2 virus that have increased transmissibility and that it just exploded. So we are not out of the woods yet. And I'll remind everybody that a pandemic anywhere in the world is a pandemic everywhere. Well, what about the situation in Japan? Can you put perspective on it there? The rate of infections yeah. is, is much lower than the United States, for example, but vaccines are just dribbling out there and there's states of emergency in effect right now in Tokyo, in other places. It, it doesn't seem very auspicious for the Olympics. Right. So the Japan story is an interesting one with the Olympics 11 weeks away. Um, what they've uh, been experiencing is, is a re resurgence of disease. But again, the numbers are, are much lower than the U.S. ever experienced. They did a good job of uh, the lockdowns and the masks and social distancing in the beginning and kept their numbers quite low, which resulted in a very weak vaccination effort and their their vaccine effort began in mid-February and I think they've only immunized two percent of their population so that's been a huge failure um, in Japan and uh, now you know again they let their guard down the states of emergency were um, taken away and uh, we have a resultant uh, disease surge uh, once again, so yeah, are, are there, are, is Japan right? Are Japanese wor right to be worried that uh, an influx of some twenty thousand athletes, officials, media uh, in in July could uh, could make things worse? Yeah, they have absolutely every reason to be concerned about that. And uh, with the introduction of people coming from all over the world, uh, with perhaps new variants that are circulating elsewhere, uh, could cause a great deal of problems in Japan. Um, however, um, I think with proper control measures, they can still have a safe games in 11 weeks. And when we say uh, control <coughs> control measures, last year when you were with us, you said uh, banning spectators might be one of the more, more obvious uh, solutions to keeping the game safe. They've decided no overseas spectators will come. I'm sure you salute that idea, and they're still deciding on domestic spectators. Um, how do you how do you read that decision? There uh, should they. Should they even consider domestic spectators at all? Yes, yeah, so um, I think uh, the key is to avoid um, large social gatherings indoors for prolonged periods of time. And uh, just like uh, in the United States where sporting seasons continued, but without 
fans, um, or at least a very few number of fans, and I'm talking indoor arenas like uh, basketball and hockey and so forth, the seasons went on, but um, there were very few people in the audience. So those sorts of restrictions would be one of the ones that I think Japan ought to seriously consider to keep the games on. Um, and that would be the non-pharmaceutical interventions. Um, but we've also learned that Pfizer has given a nice donation of, of their vaccines to the uh, IOC, the Inter International Olympic Committee, for use amongst the athletes and their staff uh, before the Games. And that would be another major uh, control measure that could be used. Now, some countries may not need those vaccines. Others Others may, may need them. Uh, is there a logistical challenge getting the vaccines to the right places where, they're, where, where they are most needed? Well, globally, yes, there's a huge logistic challenge. And we just have to look, take a look at uh, what's going on in, in, in India. In Japan, the problem is not vaccine supply. It's, um, it's limited um, medical workers who can give the vaccines. So they don't have enough people to set up uh, vaccine locations, um, even for their most vulnerable. So the elderly, uh, the fact that only 2% of Japanese adults have been immunized means that a lot of the elderly are still unimmunized. So that's, that's going to be their logistical challenge. And, and back to Japan with the organizing committee, with organizers, putting out a request for, for medical volunteers to help with the Olympics. If they don't have enough staff to provide the kind of uh, manpower, women power that's needed to inoculate the population. Uh, the idea of taking medical staff away from those duties and other primary health care duties to serve as volunteers for the Olympics seems like a, a big ask. Right, that's the logistical challenge. In the U.S., uh, we had the same issues and we approached it in many ways, like uh, even deploying um, the Department of Defense and the National Guard to, to pop up immunization clinics using their medical corps. I don't know what Japan's military capacity is, but that's something... <clears throat> I'm sure they're considering as well. Um, but yeah, you can't deflect your medical corps from um, critical activities like in hospitals and clinics um, with vaccines. So you have to train up um, a new surge capacity somehow. So if overseas spectators are banned, the organizers need to worry most about the athletes who are coming to Tokyo, the officials who accompany them, media, maybe 20,000 odd people or so. They've established uh, a, a set of protocols contained in uh, the, the playbooks, they call them, that uh, outline what can be done, how people should behave, how they should move about the city, what they can do, what they can't do. Um, Athletes will, will and, and other people will effectively live in a bubble. Um, is that the kind of situation that's needed to keep in balance the, the safety of the Japanese public 
and the safety of the athletes, the visitors coming to Tokyo. Is that going to be enough? Yes, and I think uh, it can be enforced mainly at the ports of entry. So I would imagine uh, with this influx of people coming into Japan, it can be controlled at the airport uh, through a quarantine station. Um, and you, a lot of things can happen at that point in time. So one would be um, a vaccine verification status can be obtained um, or in-country testing. That's another protocol that can be, um, in fact, they could even administer a point of care test as you deplane and you have to then go and wait for the result before you can enter. Case That is the case for most most people coming into uh, Japan under these playbooks from the IOC. Right. So that can be done. And there are a lot of these uh, point of care tests that can give results within 15, 20 minutes. So people can be, you know, moved over to a waiting area until their tests return and then triaged uh, from there. Um, but vaccination would would be the best insurance card. And if these athletes can and their staff and all the officials can be vaccinated beforehand and be given a vaccine pass, that would be the best. And the vaccines that have been donated by Pfizer are the ones that require two, two doses. So the, the clock is running on getting that vaccine where, where it's needed most uh, over the next few weeks, I would imagine. That's right. They need to start now. But is that a problem if there's a country that hasn't approved Pfizer? Uh, can they just send the vaccine to uh, a national Olympic committee or a national health agency and say, hey, give it to your athletes? Well, that's a good question. It's a, a, a legal one on authorities that I, I, I don't know. I do know that the WHO is uh, sanctionally uh, is giving their authorization to um, many different vaccine manufacturers. So a country might be able to relax its standards if it's a WHO authorized product. Uh, so this is a global thing. So the US is not the only manufacturer you have China that's putting out a pretty good vaccine. The Russians are putting out a pretty vac pretty good vaccine. So, it, you know, as long as it's WHO authorized, but whether the legal issues in country, I, I don't know. And 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 you you do do see the need for it to happen pretty quickly, given the the two doses that need to be dished out. I, I guess people would need to be fully inoculated by the middle of June, somewhere in there to have that immunity, take that immunity with them to Tokyo. Yes, that would be about the right timeline. Um, another issue... Of course, I'll, I'll, I'll do pause and say that the Janssen vaccine that has been released again is only one shot, so... So, you have 20,000 people coming to Tokyo to participate in the Olympic Games. How close to zero risk is there for uh, exposure to the, to the virus to Japanese citizens? 
Well, there is no such thing as zero risk, but it can be very minimal. And you, you described the bubble. So um, I think if it's uh, well enforced and, um, and with including with immunizations, um, I think that these visitors can come to Japan with minimal risk to uh, Japanese citizens. One issue that seems to be uh, popping up here, um, a number of Olympians who are mothers of young children, babies, are wanting to, to bring their children with them to Tokyo where they can care for them, take care of them. Um, uh, and there is some hesitation on whether they would, no final decision has been made, but is there a, a, a way that that can be safely handled? What would you advise about a, a situation like that, bringing an infant in arms to, uh, to Tokyo with the mother? Yes, um, that's a good one. Um, certainly these um, babies cannot be immunized. They're too young. And uh, yet they can get infection. That's been shown. So I think um, they could be brought in safely with these concepts that we call cocooning, that is protecting the infant by um, immunizing and protecting the people around the infant. So um, I think with proper protocols in place, um, these babies can be protected if they're, particularly if their moms are immunized. Um, there's no risk um, in terms of breastfeeding with immunization, at least with the American used vaccines. So that's not a contraindication. Uh, but that kind of protection, cocooning, um, I think um, the infant in arms can come along with their uh, athletic mothers. And probably not in the Olympic Village as far as accommodations go, but probably more, more, more secure, more safe, if you will, housing? Uh, I don't know uh, what's available in the Olympic Village, but I don't think you'd want to be in a dormitory situation. Um. All of this in Japan, this the, the coronavirus, the, the delay in the Olympics, the cost that it has extra costs that uh, they've encountered, the challenges of the coronavirus have really soured public opinion against the games. How much influence does public opinion should public opinion play in a public health matter like this? How much attention should the government of Japan pay to what its citizens are saying about the Olympics and whether they feel at risk, their health is at risk as a result of going ahead with these games? I know it's a, it's a, it's a fine line to walk and involves politics, but what is, what's the proper influence of public opinion in, in deciding a policy like this? Yeah, well, that's a really good question. So you have on the one hand uh, public safety and the, uh, on the other the political economic uh, fallout, um, which is something that we've been facing in this country all along, and we've seen it play out um, disastrously. 
when states lower their guard too early or even come up with foolish policies like banning a mask mandate, for example, um, like what some states have done here. So um, it, it's going to be a, a sensitive issue that it will have to be debated in Japanese society. So from my opinion, I mean, obviously, it's, it's going to be a very sensitive um, conversation in Japan. But for, if I'm, I'm always weighing on the side of public safety, it would be perfectly reasonable to have uh, the games canceled. So you're saying it would be reasonable under some circumstances to ask, ask the government not to have the Olympics? That's correct, because I, you know, as a public health physician, I, always, I, I have my preferences, and that's to weigh public safety overall. And they still have time to do that. If there are states of emergency still in effect in June, if there are still states of emergency in July, is it possible to move forward with an event like the Olympics in Japan? Well, that's why I'm saying that um, given the resurgence in disease, um, that it, it, it may not be possible. Uh, I don't know what their states of emergency entail, but if it involves severe restrictions of movement of people, it may be impossible. But yet you still say that if things are handled properly, if the protocols are followed, vaccines are administered, the games could be held in a, in a safe way for Japan and for the athletes. Yes. Those are big assumptions, but it's possible to do it. Our guest on this edition of Around the Rings Radio has been Dr. Jeffrey Engel, Senior Advisor for the Council of State and Territorial Epidemiologists. Thank you for joining us, wherever in the world you are, for this edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm Ed Hula. For more than three decades, your best source of news about the Olympics is AroundTheRings.com.